Hey! Hey! <laughs> I did it first this time. I know. It sounded like you were talking to like a granny. I'm Cody. I'm Emily. And this is Misery Manor. And as always, please remember to leave your manners at the door. Hey, you almost got me yelling at you. Hey, everybody. We're back with another epi. Um, so today, actually, I have a really long one, and I've been yelling at Emily for the past hour <laughs> that we need to hurry up and do this one because I'm not trying to be here all night recording it. Um, and oh, I was... remember when I wasn't trying to be here until 2 a.m. when you were dancing like a witch in my living room? Yeah, that's okay. Um, so, yeah, so when I was going to do two parts to this, but, like, as I was... And you know the story. As I was, like, typing it out and researching, there's really no stopping point because, like, I don't want to leave you high and dry on, like, what happened because yeah. the story is so compelling. So I just thought I would be doing an injustice to everybody by just, like, cutting it and being like, all right, well, part two will come a week later. I just don't think it's very fair. No, and you know a lot of stuff that I don't know about it because you told me some some topics that you're going to talk about that yeah. I have no idea. And... I remember you told me it's a long time ago about mm-hmm. I'm gonna mouth it too. Yeah. I did not know yeah. that part. Yeah. So. so and I have some more information on that too. Um, but before I get started, mm. I just kinda wanted to do a shout out. First of all, thank you for everybody. We said this on the last episode, but thank you for everybody that wrote in their stories. They were fantastic. So please keep doing that. Um also I pulled up our analytics on our podcast and I just want to like give a shout out to like our top countries that listen, obviously the United States. Um, we have South Korea, Iceland, United Kingdom, Canada, Russia, Finland, the Netherlands, Australia, and Italy. So, Woo-hoo. hey. Oh, Italy's a new one. Um, yeah, Italy's a new one. Ciao, so, baby. Ciao, baby. Australia, I don't know what they speak. Netherlands, oh, wait, they, they speak, speak English. English. <laughs> but they talk like this. Yes. Well, don't ever do that again, or they might not listen to this podcast anymore. Mm. But, yeah, thanks, everybody. We love it. Um, keep the comments coming. But without, do you have anything else comments? to say? Comments? What comments? Like the um, comments on our podcast, like the oh, uh, reviews. Reviews. Reviews, sorry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and get started in this case. Um, oh, wait. What? Don't we need... Tell your friends, because how many more people do we need to so we can start recording our own commercials? Because I really cannot wait until uh, we do our own ads. We need, we need a couple. We're not going to give you our stats, but we need some more. So tell your friends, post it on your stories like you've been doing. We'll repost yes. it. Yes. Just do whatever you can. Please help us out. Oh, and... Also, like, because sometimes, so Cody and I both have access to the Instagram, and I realize, like, sometimes we're, like, responding, and then I'm like, should we, like, put who it's from? No. I think they assume it's me. Oh, If I, it's, like, flam- like, if it's, like, <laughs> oh, not flamboyant, if it's, like, um, very engaging and, like, exclamation point smiley face, then it's me. If it's very just, like, blank, it's you. Oh. Yeah, you know, pretty much. <laughs> Cody's been really mean to me today. We kind of had an argument earlier, but we're good. No, baby. All right, so here we go. So this is going to be episode... This is episode... This is 10! No, this is... Oh, my yes, God, this it is, is 
were in double digits. Yes, double digits. And oh, I'm gonna hit y'all with a good one for ten. Okay, so this is gonna be the cat. cat can't talk. Let's have a stroke before I get started. The case of Shanda Schreyer. Sharer, sharer, that's what it is. And so this is about the hor- horrific abduction, torture, and murder of a 12-year-old girl. So just a little background. This murder takes place in Madison, Indiana on January 11th, 1992. So in 29 years ago. Yeah. So this whole thing actually began as kind of like a love triangle between three girls. Um, so there was Shanda, who was 12, Melinda Loveless, who was 16, and Amanda Heverin, who was 15 years old. So big age gap between um, Shanda and the other two girls. So before we continue, I do want to preface that there's child abuse involved, sexual assault, torture, basically you name it, this happens, and it all happens to a 12-year-old girl. So I'm going to give you a, some background on Melinda Loveless, who was one of the murderers in this case. So, 16? 16, yep. So Melinda Loveless was the youngest child of Margaret and Larry Loveless. Larry, her father, is a literal cunt. Yes. Um, and Marjorie, Marjorie was only 17 years old when they first got married. So her name's Margaret, but they call her Marjorie. Um, they had Michelle Loveless, um, Melinda's older sister, and Larry started molesting and physically abusing Michelle from the time she was born and continued throughout her life. Larry was a total pervert to everyone around him. He was sex-obsessed and would force his wife to do sexual acts that she was not comfortable with. He demanded it all time, every single day. He would force her to have sex all throughout the day, all throughout the night, and she was never allowed to say no. He eventually went on to pursue these acts with other women while still being married to Margaret. They had their second child, Melissa Loveless, And he was obsessive, emotionally abusive to Marjorie. And then he also began to sexually abuse Melissa alongside her older sister, Michelle. So we have Melissa and Michelle. And neither of those those are the murderers. Those are Melinda's older sisters, okay? Okay. And it gets a little... That's confusing because it's... Because the mom is an M, too. Yeah, Marjorie, it's Melissa, it's Melinda, and it's Michelle. So I'm going to keep reminding you of who it is until we get further in it where it kind of sticks, Okay. So while all this chaos is going on inside the Loveless house, Margie started having an affair with the neighbor. This was sort of her way of kind of saying like, fuck off, you know, yeah. I can do it too. And at this point, it seems like their focus is on everything but their two younger daughters, almost as if they're like trying to like one up each other. And they just started kind of abandoning the two daughters and just yeah. focusing on their relationships outside of the marriage. Um, to top it off, Larry was a raging alcoholic. And he started to force Marjorie to engage in swinging with other couples in the town. And he would force her to have sex with other men while he watched and enjoyed himself. So he was making himself a part of her affairs now. Right. Controlling even that. Right. So he would watch it and enjoy himself. She obviously did not like taking part in these events, but she was doing what her husband wanted. And she feared uh, for what would happen if she didn't comply. So as you can see, this is not the best house to be born into. And by the time Melinda the murderer, was born, it was basically a house of horror. So side note, Melissa and Michelle are the two of the daughters that are the ones Mm -hmm. that came forward um, to say that their father did all of this, but Melinda, to this day, never said he did anything of the sort to her. Now, obviously, speculators think otherwise. However, it's never been confirmed that he did anything with her. She's the the youngest? And she's the youngest. Okay. 
Um, but, you know, Larry doesn't have the best track record, so I, you know. But, but at that time, they were already, like, swinging, and do, maybe he was just, like, completely disinterested. Right. So Melinda's parents obviously sucked at being parents. Her two older sisters are the ones that had um, to step forward and take care of her. Now, this is really fucked up. She even began to call Michelle her mother, and apparently was... Com- so the two parents convinced Michelle, who was still young at the time, convinced her. They were like, yeah, that's your daughter, and she's going to call you mom. And she was so young at the time, she was like, yeah, it confused me, but, like, I was just listening to my parents, and I just... I She couldn't understand how or why, but she believed her parents, and she was young, so she was like, okay. So uh, Melinda would call uh, Michelle mom instead of her actual <laughs> mom. Um, and this is fucked up as well. Larry... Um, found a lot of joy in bringing pets home for his daughters. And they he would have them fall in love with the pets. Like, no. they'd be like, oh my gosh, no. you know, I love this pet. And then he would kill it in front of them or just let it go in the street. And they'd be like, you know, where's our dog? And he'd be like, oh, I'll let it go. Or, oh, I ringed its neck out back. You can go see it back there if you want to. They would cry and he found a lot of joy out of that. Could you so, not have, like, trigger warned us a little bit before this that? This whole thing is a trigger warning. I'm just telling you, this whole thing is a trigger warning. So... Like, that's not even the worst of it. So, basically, like, you can tell this guy loves a sense of power. Yeah. So, strangely enough, the sex-ridden, torture chamber, abusive house did a complete 180, and they became very religious. Oh, lordy. And they started attending Sunday service at a Baptist church. Larry stopped drinking to devote his time to the Lord. There were exorcisms performed at this church, as well as everybody speaking in tongues. (gasps) It's one of those churches. Can you so, speak in tongues? No. I thought you were going to do something funny. No. This, no, that's against the Bible. You're not supposed to mock tongues unless it's actually given to you to do. So this church was also required that you were saved, and you had to get saved in front of the entire congregation, or you were banned. Like, you had to leave. Oh. So Larry became obsessed with this lifestyle, and he began burning all of their stuffed animals, their books, because they were not teachings of the Word of God. He ripped their posters off the wall, no reading books that weren't religious, no listening to music that wasn't religious. He would put blankets on all of the windows so that there was no light coming in. Um, He did not want them to see outside into the world. No, nothing. If it wasn't church-related, it was not allowed in the house. The reason for covering the windows is because he didn't want them distracted by looking out the window. They had to sit and read and li- or listen to music that had to do with church. What about school? They didn't go to school. So they went to school. I'm going to get to that in a minute, but it wasn't okay. like something that was like, you know, if you wanted to skip, that's fine. Um, and at this point, I actually believe that they were trying to homeschool the children too or like let them kind of learn, like like let Lord kind of path, um, lead them into a pathway of it, but... It obviously well, didn't work out. Sorry, I'm interrupting, but Marjorie, how did she feel about all this? Or does it not really... No, she never... Like, she just kind of went... Didn't really it. have a choice. She went to church, but she didn't have a choice. She just did whatever he wanted her to do. So, one instance, he actually burned um, a doll of Melinda's because he said that he could see a demon coming out of the I doll. I remember this part. And she was devastated beyond measure. She even... Um, I mean, just think about it. As a little girl, like, with all this shit happening around you... That one doll was probably the thing that she grabbed onto when she could hear her dad, you know, yelling or shit was going. She probably clinged to that doll for, like, you know, support or just, like, some sort of love Oh, and 100%. Um, and actually, in one of the prison interviews, Melinda said that she would never forget that and refer to the doll as her best friend. Oh, God. Um, now, I know you feel bad for Melinda, but just keep in mind she is the Oh, I know. Lead, She's a real cunt. So, I... Good. 
<laughs> but it is that that she was kind of brought into that household. I mean, like I hate to say that she the cards were against her because I do believe people can kind of get out of those instances when yeah. they get older. But like she wasn't set up for success either, right? But it should also be mentioned too when kids are sexually assaulted so so young like that, especially as a newborn. They don't know that's what that is. That's yeah. their first introduction and that's to sex. All they, that's all they... They think that's normal. Normal, exactly. And so that's just oh, So going back to Melinda, when she turned five years old, the family decided that she needed an exorcism. And they exorcised her by putting her up in a hotel room for five hours with a 50-year-old man <gasps> who told her that he could do it. So when asked about it recently, Melinda said she doesn't remember what happened when she was there, but she thinks he just told her to take a nap. And like basically one of those things like you just take a nap and we'll tell your parents how I did it. So she doesn't she never said like, yo, he touched me. He did this. that. She thinks she just took a nap, but she doesn't remember. Do you think he drugged her maybe? I mean, no, she doesn't. She was like, I think I just fell asleep. I I I highly doubt that's all that happened. But, you know. So Larry and Marjorie ended up getting their daughters into Graceland Baptist schooling, where they were beaten in school as young kids. Melinda had become infatuated with her father, though. So Melinda is the the young one. Mm -hmm. She became infatuated with her father, despite all the shit he did to her older sisters and her. Um, But Melinda was very submissive. Um, and her older sisters would talk back to him, but he, she did everything that he wanted. So he wasn't as harsh on her. She never gave pushback. He wouldn't yell at her. He wouldn't, you know, abuse her. He kind of just, he, he, I think it was her, his favorite daughter. And that's, that may be going back to why he never sexually abused her because she was submissive and he kind of liked that, um, you know, fight back, you know? Okay. Um, so eventually, after being on this huge religious kick, though, one day he was like, fuck it. I don't want to do this anymore. So that day he began drinking again. He was getting tired of not being a pervert around the family and told them this. He was like, I'm tired of not being a pervert around oh. y'all. So he wanted to go back to doing that as soon as he could. So the entire family was excommunicated from the church. Margie's still having affairs outside of the marriage, and so was Larry. So things are getting worse and worse and worse in this household. As if it couldn't get more weird, at this point, he is sleeping in the two sisters' Uh, older older bed with them and peeking outside the windows at the neighborhood children. What? Okay, I'm sorry. That's a lot to process. I know this is a long story. Yeah. Okay. He's just a pervert. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, yeah, he's like self-proclaimed. Yeah, and then he would also gather the girls in a room and tell them about their mother's affair, and he would make them call her while she was out and make them ask her if she was at work, knowing that she wasn't. And when she would say, no, I'm not at work, you know, I'm running errands, he would say, no, she is at work. See, she lied to you. She doesn't love you, and she doesn't want to be here with you. So the girls being young, they're like, oh, my God, our mom doesn't love us. She's lying to us. Um, But then the girls later did say, you know, the mother did bring other men inside the house in front of them. Um, so, you know, just as Larry is a monster, so is the mother. She ain't I mean, no damn... It's like a power trip. Yeah, she's no dime piece her fucking self. <laughs> so, these poor girls dealt with literally every form of abuse growing up. And although at this point you probably feel bad for Melinda, like I said, she's a fucking monster herself. But as a baby, they're yeah. innocent. They yeah. don't know. I mean, she's a demon, but she was brought into this world by demons, too. You know? Like, I just feel bad. And, like, I know friends that have been kind of products of... A bad upbringing and are just fine so i don't want to be like you know she was set up for 
failure, but like she could have got out of it. I just, it's just, it's an unfortunate situation. I feel sorry for the, the yeah. small version of her. Right. Exactly. But like, they're all still adolescents at this point, right? The, the kids, the girls. It's, yeah. They're very young. They're maybe they're below, um, under 10. Like grade all of them school. Are under 10. Mm-hmm. So just as an update, um, I'm sure you're like, okay, please tell me these fucking parents got arrested. No. Okay, so in 1998, there was a warrant out for Larry Loveless for three counts of rape, six counts of sodomy, and two counts of sexual assault. Wait, how can you only have three counts of rape and six of a, of sodomy? Well, sodomy can just be like um, groping, touching. Like it's not sodomy is in the butt. I I don't think it's just the butt. Yes, it is, baby. Well, I don't fucking know. Sodomy is butt fucking, <laughs> butt is, raping. Well, this is the report. I'm, I don't know. Well, their numbers are wrong. <laughs> so, what did you say it was? Touching. Touching. I don't Baby, know. Baby, it is butt fucking. Okay, well, that's... Okay, well, six counts of sodomy, three counts of rape, and two counts of sexual assault. So, um, in all... And according to the Associated Press, every single one of these were towards children. Oh, my God. So, the affidavit said that Larry had forced several young girls into his sexual acts from 1968 to 1989. Okay, remember, this is 1998, so the last known one was 10 years prior, okay? So when he lived in New Albany, Indiana is when all this happened. So unfortunately, because the statute of of limitation, Uh, you know what that is, right? So basically, a time frame of when you have to be accused from it, all the counts were dropped. Mm -hmm. And Larry was only charged with one count of sexual battery. That's it. But bitch, there's justice, because guess what fucking happened? Right after this happened... He died. And oh. you know how he fucking died? On December 5th, 1988, he got hit by a bus. Oh my God. He got Regina Regina, George. Jo- that's exactly what it was He got hit by a bus crossing the street and died. Baby, they said, Burr! and boom, baby, Larry's dead. I mean, so it's still not justice because I wanted him to rot in fucking hell, but. Oh, well, he still could be. I mean, rot in jail, I'm sorry. Oh. But he's brought in hell. Okay. But Loveless. Damn. That name is... I know. So I forgot to mention, though, Larry and Margie eventually did get a a divorce. And Melinda Loveless had a really, really, really hard time dealing with this because she loved her father. She thought that was love. So Margie did remarry to a guy named Michael. And he was a very good guy. And he was a wonderful stepfather on all accounts. And he wanted to build a great space for her and her sisters. But Mm -hmm. Melinda would not allow it. She was so hung up on her father. That was, you know, her, you know, end all be all type of guy. So Was he dead at that point? Yes. Okay. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. At this point, no. Oh, you know? Okay. Okay. So Michael, that's why I said I forgot to mention. So Michael even sat her down. And he. this is really sweet. He said, Larry is your father. And I would never take that away from you. But I can be your best friend. And I just want to help you. Michael. And he said, oh, and he said, and I want to make everything better. Isn't there a movie called Michael John Travolta and he's an angel? I don't know. But Melinda basically said, fuck off. And she did not accept it. And she said, I hate you. (gasps) So, but she, at this point, she's so emotionally brainwashed. As Melinda continues to get older, a lot of her emotional issues are starting to show themselves. So, um, because of the issues with her father, these, and the attachment and abandonment from him, She takes that and starts looking for affection elsewhere into boys because she's getting older. She's experiencing her sexuality um, and she's using boys and those relationships to fill that void. So Melinda Loveless was a beautiful girl and I'm going to upload photos on our Instagram. She's gorgeous. Um, She could attract any guy she wants and she knew that. But eventually she got 
tired of boys and she realized I kind of like girls more. So she okay. identified as bisexual, and this is when she met Amanda Hevern, who was 15 years old at this time. Okay. So when Amanda met Melinda, she was infatuated her with her as soon as she saw her. Melinda, in turn, became obsessed with Amanda. This was their first time to both be in a relationship with a female, so it's all very new. It's exciting. You know, that butterfly feeling. Yeah. It's 16 and 15-year-old, which makes it more intense because, you know, you feel like the first time you like somebody, you're in fucking love and you're going to marry this person. Um, so they, Yeah, so they invested a lot of feelings and a lot of energy into this relationship. Like, they went balls to the walls to make sure that this, like, blossomed into something great. But neither of them had balls, but that's right. okay. So, they are also gay, or bisexual. In the 90s, in Indiana, gay relationships were not really spoke about. So, this concoction was, like, intriguing and super exciting for them. Okay. They really were not ones to care what other people thought. They thought this was exciting to be different, to be out okay. there. Um, so, good for them, but... <laughs> So, unfortunately, though, with everything going on at home, Melinda became very volatile and violent. She's taken in her father's footsteps. Mm -hmm. And she handled situations with anger and emotional outburst. She would take all of her frustrations out on Amanda and would emotionally abuse her every single day. Learn behavior. Yep. Melinda would also force Amanda into sexual situations, and Melinda would not take no for an answer, just like her father. Oh my God. Amanda later said that this made her very uncomfortable and she did not like doing any of it. Learned behavior, just like you said. Melinda is very, very sexually active at this point, 15, and she's acting out um, in very adult ways. Um, but also, a lot of reports said that she is reverting back to being in a, chi a child at the same time. So let me tell you why. Her stepfather, so this is the nice guy, Chad, Michael. said that, he, or Michael, sorry. Chad was from your other oh, story. So her stepfather, Michael, there's so many M's in this. Michael um, said that he would observe Melinda in the living room and she would only watch kids programs and she would only play with baby dolls and toys designed for toddlers and young children. Um, Melinda wanted nothing to do with the outside world, anything news related, politics, like hot topics, trends. She didn't want to hear it. She only wanted to watch like CBS Kids, Nickelodeon, things of that nature. Um, a lot of sources say it's because she got her childhood stripped from her and she's trying to cling on to that adolescent type of um, feeling. When you, when you read about that, did you, I've read that a lot of people that have experienced like sexual assault as like a child, mm -hmm. that they talk like, like a baby. Yes. So I have... I'm going to get into that later. Not the way she talks, but it might answer that question for you, but it'll come up later. Not like, but it's like, they might have like a, I don't know. I've yeah. just read it and I like thought. Like whiny. Yeah. Yeah. No, she, I couldn't find anything on that. Okay. I do know that she, I'm not going to ruin it. I'll, no, we'll I know. And it. I'm okay. not saying that that's what it is. I just, I've come across things like that and then read yeah. that and it just struck me as odd. Yeah. And so he said that it was very odd because he was like, I'm looking at a beautiful teen girl who's developing and she's acting like a child. Um, he even asked her who the president was at that time and she had no idea. Um, wow. so this is like a huge indicator of sexual trauma, but she wet her bed every single night. Oh my God. So, and looking it up, that's like the number one indicator of sexual trauma is wetting your bed. So McDonald's she was, triad. so she was doing that. So the more she rebel rebelled against her stepfather and lashing out at uh, her girlfriend, Amanda, she also started changing who she was and hanging out with. So she was, like, developing into this new person. So she was lashing out at her stepfather, 
yelling at her girlfriend Amanda and she was evolving into a new like hanging out with a new crowd so the crowd that she decided started hanging out with was the punk scene kids okay I was like what like yeah. children no, because she's... no the punk kids and she started dressing up like Madonna <gasps> and this is the point where she starts partying she starts drinking she's staying out late she's sneaking out she's being rebellious um and her grades start to slip Without Amanda, she's partying and stuff without yes. Amanda. I don't okay. know if Amanda joined, but they're still dating at this point. Okay, okay. I but she's so. with this new punk crowd. So this is where Shanda enters the scene, okay? So Shanda Renee Cher moved to New Albany in 1991, and she moved in with her father, Jack, or she moved with her father, Jackie, and her stepfather. Her parents were divorced, but she had a wonderful and loving relationship with both her and her parents and her and her stepparents. So it was a Great family that she was brought into, right? No ill intent towards any of the parents. Yeah, they co-parented. Yeah, which is the complete opposite of Melinda's, right? Well, I mean, on many counts. <laughs> right. She would spend the weekends with her mother and the weekends with her father. And up until this point, Shanda had been attending a private school. Um, she was actually wanted to attend a public school because she was tired of the uniforms and all the rules. Yeah. Not that she was rebellious, but she was just like curious about like what a public school was like. Um, she wanted to experience being like herself freedom, being in a public school. She okay, was so okay. Used, yeah. So Shanda was very, very, very into fashion. So this is why she hated the uniform. She yeah. wanted to express her love for fashion at school. Her mother, Jackie, said Shanda had an amazing outlook on life. She was an amazing kid. She could have not asked for a better child. Um, <laughs> Shanda had an older sister named Paige who was the wild child. But Jackie and Shanda were the, oh, her name's sister, or her name's Jackie. Wait, oh, sorry. <laughs> Paige is a sister, but Jackie, her mother, said Shanda was the complete opposite of Paige. Um, she had great grades. She was involved in gymnastics, cheerleading. She played basketball, softball, and soccer. Damn. And she loved doing after-school activities. She really enjoyed sleepovers with her friends, playing with makeup, hair, going to the mall, talking about crushes. Um, I'm going to upload a photo of her, of course, but she's, like, such a beautiful, vibrant girl. Like, her smile, like, literally lights up the fucking room. So, Shanda's sister, Paige, was actually a nurse, and Shanda wanted to follow in her sister's footsteps and become a nurse, too. So, she was way older. Yeah. Oh, she's so much older. Um, And the reason why she wanted to be a nurse was so uh, she could help people and make a difference in their lives. She hated seeing people upset. She hated seeing people cry or hurt. So she really wanted to go in that profession so that she could change it. It's always those people. I know. So even though Shanda was only 12 at this time, she looked a lot older because like I mentioned, she loved fashion. She loved makeup. She always had teased hair. She was experimenting with lipsticks, Mm -hmm. eyeshadows, not to do any harm. She just, that was her passion. She's 12 years old. She does not look Um, 12 either. And so people mistook, mistook, is that the word? I think so. People thought, (laughs) people mistook her as being older, like mid-teens. Like you mistook. Yeah. Okay. People thought she was, like, in her mid-teens. Yeah, no, I've 12. seen pictures of her, and yeah. she doesn't. So when Shana first started um, at public school, she got very involved with friends and in the social life that her grades started to slip. Okay. She stopped caring about sports. She was not focused on grades. Her main priority at this time was to hang out with the cool crowd. She had never had this sense of, like, popularity. People loved hanging out with her. Yeah. Um. So Amanda... Melinda's girlfriend uh-huh. noticed Shanda right away. But keep in mind, she's still dating Melinda at this point. Yeah, Melinda but... caught on to Amanda being intrigued by Shanda, and this pissed her off to high heavens. At this point in their relationship, Melinda's hold on Amanda was at an all-time high, too. 
Melinda was very possessive and very obsessive, and she wanted to put a stop to this right away. Just like her dad. Yep. So Melinda decided to start bullying Shanda at school. Melinda would call her ugly in front of large crowds, comment on her hair, her clothes in a negative way. Um, She would like gather people around and be like, look at that ugly girl over there. And like people would start laughing and uh, Shanda would cry. Um, So Melinda bullied her every single chance that she could. Despite all of this, Amanda and Shanda did meet up and they became very close. They really um, struck up a bond too. And Melinda was powerless to stop this at this point because like she, she knew that she could not become between them. They talked about each other a lot. They laughed. They had a good time and she could see this was developing. Now, were they friends or did They were she... friends at this point. Okay, but did Amanda want her as like a romantic Yeah, she partner? was infatuated okay. with her looks, but at first it was struck up as just being a friend. Okay. Um, so, good leeway into this. So, their friendship turned into a, a romantic relationship eventually. So, despite um, Melinda feeling powerless, she tried to stop it from going further her first attempt was to befriend Shanda after the bullying wasn't working. She's like, well, I'll just be your friend. So she was hoping that Amanda could, that she could make uh, Shanda feel bad and be like, you know, like, this is girl code. Like, don't take Amanda from me. Like, you know, you can't do that for me. Make her feel bad and like guilt trip her. Um, Manipulation. Right. And there was a lot of notes that went back and forth because they obviously didn't have text messaging. So they would write notes and like slip it in their backpacks oh, yeah. or hand it off. Um, so at one point, Melinda wrote this note to Shanda. She said, Shanda, don't be mad at me, please. I want to be your friend. I just don't like when you speak to Amanda when I'm not there. I mean, why can't we all three be friends? You act as if you only have something. You act as if you have something going on with her. Amanda and I are together. She loves me and I love her. And she only wants to be friends with you. You need to accept that. Shanda, Amanda told me that you were going through bad times. If you need someone to talk to, you can always talk to me. I don't want you speaking behind my back to her. Why don't you speak to Amanda when she's with me? You need to find a boyfriend because Amanda is mine. You can even ask her. Please talk to the both of us or you can forget about Amanda. You, me, and Amanda need to have a talk together to get things squared away and then we can all be friends. Sorry I'm writing so sloppy. Can you meet me at lunch? Your friend, Mel. So, yeah. So, Amanda and Shanda ended up still talking to each other and Melinda yeah, just Yeah, they keeps, probably talked about that creepy ass note. And Melinda just keeps getting more mad. Okay. So here's a note that Melinda wrote to Amanda. Okay. Amanda and this mm, Amanda, why did you write her fucking name on your folder? It hurt so much when I saw it. I didn't think you would put her ugly ass name on your folder and you wrote it. You must have liked her enough to write her name. Why? Well I'm gone. Melinda. PS just tell me you like her once because I already know. Sorry, you're really good at reading that. I know. I did prose and poetry in high school. So, like, yeah. So, at this point, <sighs> Amanda likes both of these girls very much. And at this, at the same time, Shannon... Really? Amanda likes both of them? She does like Melinda. She really does. I mean, I think it's more of, like, a sexual thing. But she... I mean, she likes both of them. She's, like, literally toggling both at the same time does it ever mention did you read anywhere like did amanda like was she there to like support melinda with anything uh we're gonna get into that okay sorry no you're good so at the same time shanda and melinda are both infatuated with amanda so it's kind of like a fucking chaotic love triangle well shit what does amanda look like melinda noticed (laughs) that amanda wanted to spend more time with shanda and gave her more attention and neglecting her and melinda's relationship and she's getting more and more pissed so 
Then a fucking school dance happened. Nothing ever comes good from a freaking school dance, right? Can I just say at my fish dance, I wore cat ears. Okay. That's embarrassing. They probably <laughs> would be jealous. So before the school dance, Melinda wrote Shanda another note. And it said, Shanda, hey girl, what's up? I'm in study hall being really bored. Amanda was outside my door, so I just played it off and got something to drink. Dumbass teacher. Well, have you decided if you're going to attend the dance? I'm not. I will probably end up going to the mall or watching some fucking lame-ass movie somewhere. Well, I've bored you enough here, so I will just see you later, babe. Love ya, Melinda. Then she writes a note to Amanda. Totally different tones, okay? It read, Amanda, I love my hair. It feels so much better. I don't want you going to that fucking dance, but if you really have to go, you need to go with me. I don't want you to go without me. We could talk about it Friday at lunchtime. I really don't want to wait until Friday, so I might just go out with someone else and then have her drop me off at Hazelwood at a certain time, which I don't know what that is. Well, I'll talk to you later. Love, Melinda. So she's basically telling her, Shanda, I don't want to go. Like, let's not go. Are you going to go? But she's telling her, hey, if you're going, you better be freaking going with me, right? So (sighs) with that, Shanda's, she's like, "Uh, I'm not going. She has hasn't even crossed my mind well (laughs) amanda chose shanda to go to the dance with and melinda wasn't gonna go but guess who showed up melinda and she completely lost her fucking shit she chased shanda around (gasps) the dance floor threatening to beat her ass um this was like the straw that literally broke the camel's back melinda began attacking her at the school and hurting her physically now which, where the fucking chaperones? I thought is. Ours had flashlights, and if you were dirty dancing and doing, like, the hoe train and shit, they'd be like, back up, back up. Like, these bitches are letting these girls get full-on bad girls club in this bitch. Like, no. Oh, my God, I remember that show. Yeah. So, um, they, so at this point, Melinda and Shanda are constantly feuding, okay? Well, it's almost like, I wonder if she writes those letters to each other, like, to them, like, at the mm. same time. Yeah. You know, because, like, she writes one and she's, like, this one person. But everything that she writes to Amanda, who she's trying to, like, protect, it's not nice. No, it's not. So, at this point is where it takes a turn for the worse. So, she's, um, at this point, Melinda's telling people in the school, I want to beat her ass. I want to beat her ass. Then she starts uh, verbalizing that she's going to kill her. She's like, I've had enough. I need to fucking kill her. I want her dead is what she was telling people. So the parents of these girls slowly started getting word from the school. They were discovering notes amongst the girls, like in their backpacks and like under their bed and stuff. Like under their bed at school. Like they were hiding no at home. Like they were hiding their notes. Like oh, from the their parents. parents. The parents yeah. were getting word. And like people were like, Oh my god, you know, your daughter got in a fight with so and so. Like the parents were like So they started snooping. Yeah. So Melinda and Amanda were eventually forbidden to see each other anymore because the like the volatile behavior, um, but they still kept in communication. Well, because I don't really see Melinda's parents. No. Even well, I mean, maybe the stepdad, but it, she's with the mom. Yeah, she's with the mom. Like the mom kind of has reign over her. I don't. We don't hear from the stepdad anymore. So there becomes another girl involved named Carrie who was in, obsessed with Melinda. So oh. keep in mind, Melinda's gorgeous. All these girls are loving her. I need to see her picture. Yeah, well, I'm going to upload it. So she would fight, and she would fight Amanda for Melinda. So she'd be like, Carrie, go fight uh, Amanda. And Carrie would do it. All the while, Melinda is just still obsessed with Amanda. She'd be like, you know, I didn't I didn't really want her to beat you that hard. I still love you. And Amanda would, like, take her back. <laughs> so no matter what bad shit, crazy shit was happening to her, she was still in love with Amanda. Um... 
So after Carrie had a fight with Amanda, this is when Amanda was finally like, bitch, this is enough. I'm going to focus my time on Shanda and Shanda only. Don't talk to me anymore. Goodbye and good night. When do they do their homework? I don't know. So on October 24th, Amanda and Shanda had their first date. And it's so cute because it was just the two of them and Amanda's parents. Amanda's parents went with them. Um, they went to go see a homecoming harvest festival. Then they went to a haunted house with Amanda's parents, uh, cause it's right around Halloween. And then they had a sleepover at her house that night. Um, it was just like a really wholesome date and her parents were included. They let them have a sleepover? Well, they didn't know they were sexually. They knew these two girls were like, like more of like a cutesy, cutesy, like best friend kind of girly. They didn't think they were romantically involved. No, they they thought they were just going out for yeah. like yes, as friends. They didn't think they were romantically revolved, involved. Um, so um, Melinda found out about this date, and Melinda told one of her friends basically that she's heard enough, she's seen enough, and it was time to kill Shanda as soon as possible. Oh my God. Um, Melinda actually told her cousin Crystal that she was going to kill Shanda, and Crystal encouraged the idea and defended Melinda's behavior. Like in an interview, she was like, I don't, I mean, Shanda heard her, Shanda and Amanda, like, broke her heart. Like, I don't see anything wrong with it. So that's, like, that loveless family is just fucked up in the head. How old was she during that interview? Like, is it still a child? No. Like a, like a teenager. Like an 18-year-old teenager. Okay, that's so, an adult. <laughs> you're right, but, like, not, like, a 30 or 40-year-old. I know. You know? Well, so, I'm still. Yeah. So now the fights between Shanda and Melinda are back, and they're happening more frequent than ever. So Shanda's mother, Jackie said that Shanda was starting to change. She was very stressed and on edge, and she seemed, she, she seemed very scared. Um, she was just going through a lot as a 12-year-old, right? Um, I mean, I think I still, like, played with Barbies. Yeah. So, but because of all this, it made Amanda and Shanda, like, really close. And at this point, they were telling each other how devoted they were. They were sending notes back and forth saying, I love you. I hope you have a good day. Um, and at this point, Melinda's completely nor or Amanda's completely ignoring Melinda and focusing all of her time on Shanda and Shanda only. Um, so it was really cute. So after their date, Shanda wrote, um, Amanda a letter and it said, Amanda, I loved last night. I want more. I want what we had last night forever. If you want, will you accept my ring? If I give it to you, would you wear it? And she gave her one of her rings off of her, um, hand and she and so Amanda wore it um which I thought was so cute so it was like and she referred to it as like a token of her commitment and love I mean they're 12 and 15 I just it's really cute um so and this was a ring that Shanda wore all the time so it was like a big deal for her to give it to Amanda so um so then at this point though their relationship like I said is building and Jackie did find very explicit explicit love letters back and forth from Amanda and Shanda um but Shanda denied being in a physical relationship with Amanda, but her parents weren't buying into it and they wanted to put Shanda back into a private school. Now, let me confirm, like, let me just say this. They weren't mad that their daughter was a lesbian by any point or with the girl. They were more worried because she's so young um, yeah. and they were reading the notes that were like, basically Amanda saying like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm sorry that Melinda's threatening you. Like one of the notes says that Amanda wrote to Shanda. She put, hey, girlfriend, what's up? Uh, please don't let Melinda bother you. Please don't stop liking me because of her threats. Love, Amanda. So, like, her parents were reading this, and she's like, I'm worried. So they didn't pull her yeah. out for being in a lesbian relationship. They pulled her out because they were worried. Well, yeah, um, and then also, like, you're 12 years old, and you're sexually active might be a little, I mean. Right. That's, for me personally, I if that was my kid, I'd be like, uh-uh. Oh, I know. Right. 
Exactly. And 15. No, right. ma'am. So they put Shayna back into a private school called Our Lady of Perpetual Help. And oh. this was so they could save her, their daughter from... They were just trying to save them from her from the toxic, like, Melinda and uh, Amanda situation. And it worked really well. So she started to thrive. They were getting their Shanda back. Um, she was getting amazing grades. She was back involved with her after-school activities. She was very popular. She would come home smiling. She was laughing. And her mom said, you know, we have our Shanda back. So it was mm. looking up. So... However, Amanda and Shanda started talking secretly again. At the public school um, that Shanda just came from, there was another school dance, and they tried to sneak Shanda in, but she was not allowed because the faculty was like, no, you don't go here anymore. So Melinda sees all of this happen, and she flips the fuck out because in Melinda's mind, Shanda's out of sight, out of mind. She was happy because she was like, oh, this girl moved school. She's not here involved, and then she sees her back. She's like, oh, hell no. So she demands that Amanda goes up to Shanda and tells her that she does not love her anymore and that she doesn't want to be with her. And Amanda did. And it Uh. broke Shanda's heart. She cried, she cried, she cried, she cried. So then Melinda walks up to Shanda while she's crying. And she goes, listen, if you talk to Amanda again, I will fucking kill you in front of all the students. Again, where are the fuck are the chaperones? Like, Uh, what the fuck? So after this, Amanda sent a letter to Shanda explaining why she told her that. And basically she was like, I did it because I saw that you were in danger and I just wanted to like do away with her. Right. That is so much. But this is like fucked up. So after Shanda started doing this kind of behavior, she was queen bee at school. People were like, oh, she's a bad bitch. Like, they were referring to her as the queen. Amanda? Uh, no, Melinda. Oh. Because she was, like, fighting and, like, telling people off. Um, students, after they interviewed them, were referring to Melinda as a goddess. And that she was flawless and that she had no wrongdoing. Everybody wanted to be Melinda's friend at this point because they were like, wow, she's strong. She's powerful. She, you know, she tells it like it is. She's cool. What like, do she's they pretty. talk about? Like, Hey, I just got this leapfrog toy. Like No, wanna... like they saw her yelling at Shanda and they just thought it was cool. Well, I know, but I'm like, how does this girl even like have friends if she's not even on their level? I know. And I think it's just like infatuated like... with the beauty and just like being so like a boss, you know, like she feels like she runs that fucking place. So cool. now this is, we're going to start getting into the leading up to the murder. I so know. now we're going to bring in Lori Tackett, who's 17. Hope Rippey, who's 15, and Tony Lawrence, who's 15 as well. So these girls, along with Melinda, are going to be the four girls that murder, murder and torture Shanda. Melinda's 15 too, right? Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, yeah, she is. So pretty much everyone is 15 except for... No, Melinda's 16. I'm sorry. Okay, but maybe... So 17, 16, 15, 15. Okay, and then 12. And then Shanda's 12, yeah. So um, let me start off by saying Lori Tackett. Um, she's a demonic fucking bitch. And I hope she's listening to this. So she's from Madison, Indiana. So she did not go to school with any of them. Um, But they all started becoming a part of that same punk scene um, group. So the cities were still close to each other, but like they didn't go to the same school. They weren't in the same county. Um, Lori hated her family as well. She felt like she never belonged and she only ever felt accepted by the punk scene. And so that's why she was so involved with them. Um, She was also um, involved with the occult. So mm-hmm. she was also bisexual and felt love and support by the people in the punk community. So she naturally gravitated towards them. Okay. Her parents were super religious too. <laughs> and Lori grew up in a very strict household. So okay. once when she was growing up, um, they told her that she was going to burn in hellfire for everything that she did. So she couldn't do anything. 
once when Lori was um oh so every time Lori got sick as a child her family refused to allow her to take any sort of medication and they said that medication was for sinners and the only way to get through sickness was to lay down and pray okay Um, so they probably would have taken the vaccine (laughs) no they wouldn't um so one time Lori taxed one time when Lori was 14 years old, her parents caught her trying on a pair of jeans that was strictly forbidden in their household. So her mother walked in while she was putting them on, chased her around the house, trying to strangle <gasps> her because she wanted to get the demon out of her. Um, she got away and she ran to the neighbors for help. Um, so at this point, Lori's like, my goal was to be opposite of them. And she wanted to bring evil into this world despite her mother. So by the time Lori was 17, she was angry. She was violent. Her grades were atrocious. She didn't give a fuck. And she scared everyone around her because she was not only violent, but she was just strange. Like she was quirky. She was just different. I don't want to say quirky because quirky is a good thing. Okay, because that is what you call me. Yeah, no, she just had that. You know those people that you see and like something's off? Well, yeah, I'm picturing there was this girl that would be at the bus stop and she would walk to the bus in her socks, like even if it was raining. Yeah. So yeah, probably behaviors like that. So people said that she was obsessed with, like, she, she would vocally say, like, I really want to kill somebody. I would just want to see what it would feel like. Okay. Um, one of her hobbies was to sacrifice animals. No. And she would also show up at parties and beg people to slit their wrist and taste their blood. Um, one uh, evening, Lori attempted to cut and suck the blood out of her friend's girlfriend's arm. And there was a huge giant fight about this because it was not, like, conceptual. <laughs> like, she was just like... <clears throat> the girl's like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, so after this scenario, there was kind of like, dude, this bitch is fucked up. And they did away with her. So Lori started hanging out with Melinda more. They're both fucked up. Oh, two fuck ups. Yeah. So um, they had the same headspace. They got along great. So Lori was very close to her younger sister, oh, to a younger girl named Hope Rippy, who was also one of the murderers, and treated her not only as a friend, but as like a younger sister. Hope was best friends with a girl named Tony Lawrence, who was also involved in this as well. Hope did well in school. She had friends and she was generally like a happy girl growing up. And Tony was like an okay student, but she was just very quiet and shy. Okay. Um, But Tony was also going through some personal trauma at this time because she had been sexually assaulted by a boy. And she was like trying to deal with that. So just to paint a picture. All vulnerable people. I know. So just to paint a picture, Tony, Hope, and Lori all went to the same school in Madison, Indiana. Mm -hmm. And Melinda went to a different school, but knew Lori through the same punk scene, okay? Okay. So Lori introduced Melinda to Hope and Tony. So that's how that... Well, because it's almost like Lori um, is almost, like, kind of like Melinda. Yeah. And, like, she's taking advantage of Hope. Right. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Totally. So on January 10th, Lori and Melinda invited Hope and Tony to attend a rock concert with them in Louisville, which was about 40 miles away. They agreed to attend, and all the girls lied to their parents, obviously, about what they were doing. They picked up food, stopped by the store, visited, um, you know, just laughed and talked on the way to the concert, normal stuff. And on the way... Um, uh-huh. I Probably not normal, though. Right. Well, normal, like, the food and, like, stopping. Not what they're talking about, though. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what they were talking about. So, um, they also said they were going to stop in New Albany to get something. And Lori was like, hey, like, oh, t- so Lori turned to Tony... And said, hey, do you know what the plan is tonight? And Tony was like, yeah, I thought we were going to the concert. And Lori said, yeah, we are. But we're also going to kill a little girl. Just heads up. And Tony and Hope were like, what? Okay. Um, You will see as the story unveils, Tony did not help in this at all. She was just there. She did not take part in any of it. 
Um, but she also didn't help it to be stopped either. So she's just to blame as any of them. So we'll get into that too, though. So Melinda and Laura explained to them in the car that Shanda was trying to steal Amanda from Melinda and that she was fed up and she needed to die. Melinda took out a weapon from her purse, which was a knife, and laughed and told them that this was the knife that she was going to use to kill Shanda. They had made up their mind that they were going to go to Shanda's father's house where she was for the weekend. Lori and Hope were to go up to the home and knock on the door, um, and Shanda would answer the door. So they did exactly that, and Shanda answered the door. Keep in mind, she has no idea who these two girls are. Right, So Lori and Hope told her that they were good friends with Amanda, and Amanda really wanted to see her, and if she just wanted to come out and like visit with her. So Lori Shana, and Hope went to the door. Mm-hmm. So uh, Shanna was like really confused, and she was like kind of looking around, and like, you know, where is she? And um, they were like, oh, you have to come with us. She wants us to meet her at the witch's castle, which I'll explain what that is after. <laughs> so Shanna was like all about it, but she was like, hey, can you like come back later? Like, my dad's still awake. Like, come back after midnight, and I'll sneak out. Um, so her father, not being dumb, was in the other room and he was like listening to some of it. Um, and he was like, I knew that she didn't know these people because when Shanda answered the door, they're like, Hey, is Shanda home? It was Shanda. So he was like, something's fucking odd. But he also didn't think Shanda would actually sneak out. So he was like, Hey, who are those people? And she was like, just some friends. They were just seeing if, um, you know, if I could hang out, but he was like, okay, this late. So he was kind of confused and weirded off by this whole thing. So. He immediately is like, okay, well, just so you know, you're not going out with them. Like, you're not. And she was like, yeah, I know. This is why I don't want to have children. So Lori and Hope went back to the car and left. And they first, um, so they went to the concert in Louisville. And there was still some time left in the concert. And Hope and Tony only stayed for the show for a little bit. But they ended up meeting two guys and making out with them in the car. They were getting, like, sexy in the car. Mm-hmm. So Tony tells them, hey, the two girls that we are with are planning to kill somebody tonight. So after only a few hours at the concert, they go back to Shanda's house around 2 p.m., which... 2 p.m. or 2 a.m.? 2 a.m., thank you. 2 a.m., which I'm like, oh, my God, Tony, if you were that concerned, you could have left. You could have called help. You didn't do anything about it. So that's why I'm like, I... Thankfully, she didn't partake in it, but she didn't fucking save the situation either, right? No. So they went back but to her house. But then again, what? She's like, look, I'm not 15. seeing enough for the girl, but, like, how... She knows That's she could have done so something. young to be in this. I know she could have done something. So, um, oh God, this is where it gets bad. So I'm just going to say trigger warning. Cause this is like where the actual murder happened. So they go back to Shana's house. They carried out the same practice as they did before. Tony and Melinda hid in the car and Lori and Hope. Where's got, Amanda? Uh, Amanda's not involved in this. She has no idea okay. this is going on. That was a setup. No, no, no. I know. Yeah, I no, just she's not involved in this. So, okay. um, Lori and Hope go to the house to lure Shanda to them. Melinda was hiding in the car under the blanket because she knew at any point Shanda saw her, she would run the opposite direction. So they go up to the house. Um, Shanda actually lets Hope come upstairs with her to help her pick out a cute outfit because she was so excited to see Amanda. And she was, like, really giddy about it, Hope said. She was like, oh, my gosh, like, certain, you know, pleasure meeting you. Like, help me pick out an um, outfit. I really like her, and I just want to look the best for her. And like, Hope helped her pick out an outfit. Like, as a kid... Like, your room, that's, like, your only... That's your space. That's, Don't like, your... yeah. I know. It's horrible. So, Hope, Tori... <laughs> Tori. Hope, Lori, and Tony leave Shanda's house, and they bring her to the car, and they put Shanda in the middle of the seat so she couldn't escape from either side of the doors. And at this point, Shanda's, like, really excited. Like, she's, like, rocking back and forth. Like, she's so excited to see Amanda. Oh, my God. So, they so... start driving, and Melinda leaps out from the back of the car 
with the knife in her hand and puts it up to Shanda's throat. And she says, surprise, bitch. I bet you weren't expecting to see me. And Amanda immediately started screaming, crying. Shanda. Yeah, Shanda, I'm sorry. Shanda immediately started screaming and crying and, like, begging for her life. She told them that she would stop seeing Amanda if they just let her go back home. Melinda and her fucked up self told Shanda that she told Amanda that she had planned to do this, and Amanda wanted her to do it. It was actually Amanda's fault, uh, Amanda's um, idea. idea. Wow. Which is obviously a fucking lie. So they brought her to Witch's Castle, which is in a place in Utica. So it's a, like a very dense forest, and it looks like the remnants of like an old building house. And like legend says, like this is where a coven of witches once was. So they just kind of call it that. This is a side note. This is actually a place where a bunch of mistletoes grow, <gasps> wild mistletoes. Um, but the locals just use it as like a spooky place, um, just to, like hang out. So Lori and Melinda drag Shanda out of the car. Um, and brought her to a place called the dungeon and they bound her wrists and ankles with rope they hit her they threatened her they taunted her with a knife and they made her take off all of her jewelry and her cute accessories she even had a mickey mouse watch on that they removed which i wanted to mention this because when i first read that it really like sunk into me that this is a child that they are doing this to and this was like her mom said this was her favorite watch that she always wore and it had like a little Mickey Mouse face on it. You know, you I like, literally have the. You know, watch. you like pop the little thing up. Yes. Yeah, so cute. So, um, they um, lit some things on fire to give themselves light. And Lori told Shanda that they were going to. Um, oh, they lit the things on fire, and Lori told Shanda that's going to be you soon. Um, she was. And she's gagged. She's bound at this point, so she was severely beaten and only um, allowed to wear her underwear. And Tony and Hope were just sitting in the car. Tony said she watched as the two girls beat her. And she watched as Melinda attempted to slit Shanda's throat. But the knife was so dull that she couldn't. So Melinda uh, placed it on her neck and would stand on it to try to make it go down into her throat. But it still didn't work. It was too dull. So Can we just like let that? I know. So she was st- putting all of her weight on the knife to go into her oh, throat. Oh, no. I, I understood what you were yeah. saying. But that's like. Yeah. So Hope gets out of the car and she said she tried to get Shanda away from them. But Tony was like, no, that's not the case at all. Hope was holding Shanda down for Lori and Melinda to harm her. So Hope gets back in the car and Tony even's like, what the fuck are you doing? And Hope replied that I was trying to help Shanda. She was like, no, you weren't. So Lori then sat on Shanda's stomach and Melinda sat on her legs and they stabbed her repeatedly and strangled her with the rope. So Lori came back to the car and told Tony and Hope that she was dead and she was like, and you need to help us get her into the trunk. And Tony was like, hell no. And then Hope started to cry. So Melinda and Lori were able to get Shanna's body into the trunk, just the two of them. The group then goes to Lori's house and they game planned on what they were going to do with the body. So they're upstairs, they're talking, you know, they're just doing normal girl stuff. They have like the TV on and like the music playing. Then they hear the dogs barking outside, like going crazy. So they turn on the TV, they're like, shh, 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 shh. And they hear Shanda screaming from the trunk. And the the dogs are like freaking out. So Lori looks at them and she goes, oh, don't panic. I'll go out there. So she stabs Shanda several more times. Lori comes back in drenched in blood and tells Melinda that they need to go somewhere to do something with her. And even offered the idea of just driving around until she just slowly dies out. So Melinda and Lori leave Tony and Hope at the house. And they just do like a little droid drive with uh, Shanda bleeding out in the back of the trunk. 
So let me tell you this though, Shanda is a tough cookie and she put up a fight the best she could. So often during their drive, they would have to pull over because they could hear her screaming and kicking um, or like crying and like yelling out. So every time they pulled over, they would beat her across the head with an tire iron. Mm. And then eventually they sexually assaulted her with it. Oh my God. And there's details on what they did, but I left those out. I'm just gonna. Yeah. So trigger warning. Um, I don't really have to say it at this point because it's so much shit happens, but like Lori mentioned to Melinda that she, so she thought at this point Shanda was dead and she gets in the car and she's laughing. She was like, dude, that was so cool. The last hit that I did to her head, I could feel her head cave in. Yeah. I remember that part from the original Fucking story. Fucking evil. So. That was, uh, Lori. Lori Tackett. Yep. So after hours of doing this, Lori and Michelle, or Melinda. Uh, hours? Hours. They went on drive for about two hours. So after hours of doing this, Lori and Melinda. No, it wasn't constant beating. Like they would drive around and they would hear her slowly. And I'm assuming the reason why it took so long is these are young girls. I don't think they were like strong, you know? Well, I'm just surprised that she could even yell or make noise with all that pressure on her neck. Exactly. And that's why it's almost worse because they're not, She at this point she probably just wants to be dead, you know? Um, she's probably so scared scared terrified so she thinks her someone that she cares about mm -hmm. like it's at the hands of her yeah so Lori and melinda get back to the house and tony mentions that they come into the house and they were so giddy they were happy they were laughing they were like almost like had their arms around each other and they had mentioned like what they had done to shanda and tony kind of like closed her ears and melinda got really excited she was like yeah i think we hit her like 60 times so a lot. So they ended up leaving the house because they were going to figure out where they needed to put Shanda. And at this time, they believed her to be dead. Um, they had just beat the shit out of her 60 times. They were certain that, you know, that was kind of right. the last straw. So they're like, well, what do we do with the body? So Lori and Melinda wanted to show Hope and Tony what they had done to the body. But Tony refused to look at what had happened. So she just got in the car. Uh, and why didn't that girl just go home? Go home. So she said that Hope stood over her. Keep in mind, this Hope pisses me off because she keeps crying and then she partakes in it. So Hope's a little titty-ass fucking baby. So Tony <laughs> gets in the car because she doesn't want to hear it. Hope does, or want to see it. Hope does go over to the body. And you know what she says? You're not looking so hot now, are you, Shanda? Is Shanda still alive? And then she takes Windex and sprays it into her open wounds and sores. So they start driving, and Tony's like, hey, can you pull over? I need to buy a two-liter bottle of Pepsi. And Tony was like, okay. And they're like, we need you to go in, because she wasn't bloody or anything. So she did. While they were waiting for Tony to come back with the Pepsi, um, Hope started telling Lori and Melinda a place that they could bring Shanda's body. So now at this point, Hope's like, oh, I know a place we could bring her. Suddenly, oh they God. hear sounds coming from the trunk again. And Hope is the one to ask the two girls, do you hear that screaming? I think she's still alive. Well... At the pump next to them, there was a guy pumping <gasps> gas. And Tony said when she got in the uh, car, she looked over at the guy and he was like staring at the car like, what the fuck is going on? Oh, yeah. But he didn't question anything. He just kind of looked like, what the fuck is going on? Um, so Lori takes a two liter bottle of Pepsi, dumps it out and fills it up with gasoline. And I think you know where I'm going with this. So they drove to a remote location, the location that Hope suggested. And they stop at Lemon Road, which is a very remote area with, like, heavy wooded area right by the Jefferson Proving Crown for anyone who's Indiana or who or who has been to Indiana. It was right near Jeff Jefferson Proving Ground. 
So they park, they open the trunk, and just like they expected after hearing the sounds, she's still alive. And she's at this point, though, hanging on for dear life. Like, they weren't really worried about it at this point. So they drag her out of the trunk by her hair, mm-hmm. and they put, put a red blanket over her. And Tony said he she watched this happen. And when they put the red blanket over her, she saw um, Shanda's hands come over the um, blanket and grip it. I remember this. Which is gut-wrenching to think that this poor girl is just clinging on to this blanket moments before. She's like, I'm about to fucking lose my life. Poor baby. Um, so they, Melinda comes up to the, um, car, grabs the lighter, and Hope starts pouring gasoline on Shanda, and Lori and Melinda lit her on fire. Tony said after this was said and done, Lori and Melinda get back in the car, and they were laughing hysterically, like, uncontrollably, and Hope the whole time just looked like she was, like, in outer space, like she was, like, from a different planet. So they drove around a bit, and suddenly Melinda wanted them to turn around, because she was uneasy. She was like, I don't know if she's dead or not. She keeps coming back alive. Like, I just want to go make sure. Um, so Melinda, Hope said that? Melinda said that about okay, Shanda. I'm sorry. Okay. So Melinda gets out of the car, walks over to the body, and pours the rest of the gasoline on her just to kind of seal the deal. Um, and Tony said that Melinda was making fun of this position, uh, the position she was in, and just laughed about it. And was like, oh my God, y'all, look, 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 look. It's Which called I'm, the boxer's pose. No, but I'm going to get into the position. That's part of it, but I'm going to get into it in a minute. So once they were certain that she was dead and gone, they went over to McDonald's and they all ate breakfast together because at this point the sun was coming up. Even Tony? Yep, Tony was still with them. So the two so two brothers, Donnie and Ralph Folly, were hunting for quail at that same place, the Jefferson Proving Ground. Um, like I said, it's heavily wooded, it's remote, like ideal for hunting. The, the two brothers spot what they thought were like a pile of rags and they thought like there was like a mannequin or like a life-size doll. She's a young girl. Um... And they were confused, but they were like, obviously, we should go check it out and see what it is. And like, it when they out of place. Right. So when they went up to it, they could tell immediately that it was a human body. And they said the smell was just uh. horrible. Um, they mentioned that her face, chest, and upper torso were burnt to a crisp. But her lower half was just bloody and beaten. And she was only wearing a pair of blue panties. The brothers immediately stopped what they were doing and called the police, and the police revived to the scene at 10.55. This was, this was happening at, like, 7 or 8. So, like, it took three hours for them to come. Three Wait, or four. Wait, the, the boys found her at 7 or 8? Mm-hmm. Early in the morning because they were quell hunt. Like, you have to do that super early. So then the sh- it took the sheriffs, I guess, I don't want to say how long it took them, but they didn't get there until almost noon, or, uh, noon that day, 10.55 a.m. Okay, so, that's almost 11, not noon. But, like, I don't Well, I mean, but an hour away Do you think they... I mean, I don't know. And it was also a remote place. So, who's to say, like, how close... I know, but, like, did they not believe them? I don't know. I don't know. So, Sheriff Buck... No, I believe they believed them because they brought, like, all hands on deck for this. So, Sheriff Buck Shifley was the first on the scene, and he called immediately the Indiana State Police because the scene was so horrific. Um, All of the officers at the scene said they broke down in tears. They didn't even know who she was, and immediately when they came to it, they started crying because they could tell immediately um, this girl was tortured, she was beaten, and it was a young girl. So Detective Steve Henry and forensic expert Sergeant Curtis Wells came to the scene and stated that something was used to ignite her face and hands to obscure her identity. So Hope fucking knew what she was doing when she was lighting the fire on her face and her um, hands. She wanted to destroy um, like DNA and she didn't want her to be um, recognizable. Um, so Shanda was in the boxer's position, like you mentioned, and she was surrounded by a pool of blood. And those of you who don't know, like oftentimes victims of like um, fire, 
is that what you say? Victims of fire result to what they call as the boxer's uh, boxer's position. It's like almost like where you're in that boxer pose and your your hands are lifting up because the muscles are yeah. Is that what I read about with the yogurt shop yes. murders? Is they had that as well? Just yeah. Something to do with like yeah. how your skin burns and, and it contracts the muscles. Yeah. So it's almost like you're laying on your back with in a fighter stance. Yeah. Um, but going back to when um. Melinda was laughing. No, when Melinda was laughing at the position, it wasn't the boxer's position. They said her underwear was intentionally pulled to the side on purpose to expose her privates. And Melinda had placed her into a sexual position when she died. So, like, I don't know if she what the position looked like, but she was in a very explicit position. And she was laughing at that. So that was what they came up on. So it must have been with the the lower half because that was the part that was like still bodied, I guess. So that's what she was laughing at. So um, so she was taken to the Jefferson County morgue immediately. So Steve, Shanda's father, is now waking up and he goes into his daughter's room. She's nowhere to be found and he starts panicking. He starts calling everyone he can and he's searching high and low and he calls Jackie, Shanda's mother, and told her what's going on. So she joins him and she's calling everybody and anybody that they know. Nothing pops up. So at 1.45 in the afternoon, they file a missing persons report in Clark County. In Clark County, okay? Mm -hmm. So Tony and Hope at this point are already home and they are panicking and burst into hysterics and told Hope's parents that they had witnessed someone (gasps) being killed. So they just broke down and told Hope's parents. Tony went to Hope's house. Melinda and Lori, though, decided to have a sleepover to celebrate at Melinda's house that night. And Melinda's... It wasn't even night. It was like, what, like 6 o'clock in the morning by know, the time the, they got home? But this is this is that following day. So they had breakfast. And then that the day that they had breakfast, it wasn't until 1.45 the afternoon that um, the missing person. So that night. So and then whole... Melinda doesn't watch the news or anything. Yeah. So she has no idea that she's So like a whole found. 24 hours later, they're having the sleepover, okay? So... Um, and Melinda's mom, Margie, said that she was acting very strange, like she was like off, something was different. And according to many sources, Melinda told Amanda um, what had happened to Shanda, and Amanda didn't believe it. So at this point, Melinda's calling Amanda, saying like, hey, this is what I did to Shanda. And Amanda's like, no, you didn't. She thought that Melinda was like all talk and that there was no way that she could have possibly killed Shanda, right? Melinda beat her. did not give her details of the murder, but she was like, I killed her. So eventually Amanda was like, no, you didn't. Stop. Like, stop. Like, you, you know, you're not going to come between us. Just shut up. And Melinda was like, well, do you want proof? And Amanda was like, yes, I do want proof. I don't believe you. So she showed Amanda the trunk of her car and Amanda said immediately she could see handprints, um, scratches of her blood all over her hair. All blood? The trunk, blood. Yeah, like fingerprints and like from blood. Handprints, hair, all sorts of stuff. Um, so Amanda was like, Oh my God, you actually fucking did it. So at about 8 p.m. while all this chaos is going on, a boy comes into the picture. So, and he comes to the new Albany police station. And he said he heard some teenage girls while he was at the bowling alley discussing being a witness to the brutal murder. But they seemed very like nervous and uneasy about talking about it. But Hope they were- and Tony. But yeah, but they were like talking about it like out loud. And it was Hope and Tony. So, um, so then the Madison Police Department calls and tells them that Tony Lawrence has now come to their police station. Because remember, two different counties. Yeah. And her father came with her. And when they started to talk to her, she just spilled everything. She just broke down and she told them everything she wanted to know. They needed to know. She told them who Shanda was, 
the age she thought she was, because remember, she didn't know her, the, the girls that were involved in it, what they did to Shanda's body, where they could find her, everything. So at one point she said, oh, Shanda was from New Albany. But so they started looking at missing people in um, New Albany, but nothing came up. Remember, Tony didn't know her. So she was just like assuming that since she's a part of that group, she was from New Albany. Um, so she they were went like, to her damn house, though. Yeah. So she was like, I don't. I don't, but that's kind of like Paraland and Houston. Like, I mean, you know, it's just a hop, skip, and a leap away. So, Shanda's parents did report Shanda missing in Clark County, but eventually they found the missing persons report in Clark County and they tied it to Shanda. This is all this day. This is happening real quickly. Thank God that Tony went to the, the police. So, no time was wasted, and think, yeah, she went to the police a little bit too fucking late. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, good I job, know. Tony. You I could know. have done this. So, I don't want to, like, give light to her for doing that. Thank you for doing something, you fucking stupid bitch. But you should have done it yeah. time and time again. You had all the opportunity to do it. Yeah. She's just as to, com- as to blame, right? I mean, yeah. I'm just like, you know, she's 15. You, yeah. You know, whatever it is, she's going through her own thing i'm not giving her an excuse but i'm yeah. just like it's just mind-boggling to even think like i know oh they went to the bowling alley after that and yep. they I, I don't i don't so, get it yeah so a police warrant was immediately in effect for melinda Lori, and hope because keep in mind they had tony at this point so they surround the loveless home at 2 30 a.m they broke down the door and entered the home went up to Melinda's room and drug them from the bed, like grabbed them and started just immediately giving them their rights. And Lori was like, wait, 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 can I ask y'all something? And the police was like, yeah, sure. And she goes, are we on candid camera? And her and Melinda started laughing. So that same night, Hope was arrested as well. And Lori and Melinda, um, Lori told Melinda that she doesn't understand why people are freaking out so much about this. And she was like, I don't feel bad about it. Um, you know, she had it coming for her. So these girls are just, I mean, as I, I don't need to say these girls are fucked up at this point. We fucking know. But like their whole mind. There's something wrong Something's twisty in there. Okay. So while in the interrogation room, Melinda starts to try to seduce the police officers. So she's leaning forward to show her breast. And we continuously. I've never heard you say that word. Breast. Her titties. And would continuously flirt and, like, use seduction methods. Clearly, this bitch is, like, used to doing that to get her way. Um, The officers did say, yeah, um, Melinda is a beautiful girl. But, like, she's obviously used to getting out of situations from this, which is sad. She's a a young teen. They also mentioned that Melinda was very unintelligent. Um, They said she used horrible grammar. She made no sense at all. She couldn't form, like, a proper sentence. And they said, I believe if we were to drop her off down the road, she could not make her way back here. Like, that's how dumb they thought she was. Yeah. Does that, do you have um, a way to find any of, like, the... Transcripts? Yeah. No, I did look for them. This was just, like... um, Now, Melinda did say some of this. Like, this is kind of, like, her word on it as well, you know? Oh, that she was stupid? just of like what I just wanted to hear like I know, how, right? what she said so the officers this is weird so the officers that interviewed Lori had different views about her so two of them interviewed her one of them said that she showed no remorse and was a monster and the other one said no she's not a monster I think she does have some sort of empathy and this is the one that was like doing the most right so <laughs> that's fucking insane 
So a friend of the girls mentioned that it was Lori's destiny to kill someone and that she had longed to do it for quite some time. She wanted to, her goal was to hear somebody scream for their life. Like she mentioned it all the time. Mm -hmm. Melinda asked this friend on multiple occasions to take her to Shanda's house so that she could beat the shit out of her and told her um, multiple times that she wanted to kill Shanda. So lastly, this girl mentioned that Lori was obsessed with fire too. So that makes sense why they So she knew both girls. Yeah, she knew them both and she had heard it i just think that when you're so you just really don't take that kind of shit seriously yeah yeah so news broke out and shanna's uh, friends and teachers at her school were devastated because remember she was just such a light everybody loved her therapy was even offered to the Mm -hmm. students and teachers who needed there who needed it there for free um jackie shanna's mother while going through her belongings found more notes hidden from Amanda detailing that melinda was a dangerous person and how she wanted to harm shanda and that they needed to be apart. So her mom felt hopeless. She was like, oh, if only I would have found this, you know, sooner. I could have done something. Um, so she started. Not only that, like, you're finding stuff that's, like, embarrassing. Yeah. You know, and then totally. it's like, maybe you didn't want to know that part of your daughter. And then now know. you don't even have the chance to, like, explain to her. Yeah. Or give her help or just, like, guide her through. It's horrible. So Dr. Uh, George Nichols of the Kentucky State Medical Examiner's Office is one that conducted the autopsy on Shanda and stated that she had many in- injuries all over her head, neck, arms, and legs, including stab wounds to her chest, stomach, head, face, neck, and soot was found in her upper airway, which means, like we knew, she was alive when they set her on fire and she ultimately died from smoke inhalation of her own burning body. They also confirmed that she had been horribly sexually assaulted by an object. Like, it was all, like, everything was, like, out of place. Um, later finding out it's that a that... fucking ob- tire iron. Yeah, later finding out that um, it was the tire iron. Because there was fragments of it inside of her. So, le- enough with that. Let's fast forward to the trial. So, Steve Scherer, her dad, spoke directly to Hope and Tony. And he looked at Tony in the face and said, Tony, you have no idea the problems you started in our family As we try to cope with this, it's very hard to understand why you did not try to stop this from happening. He then looked at Hope and said, and you may rot in hell with the rest of your murdering friends. And that was it. This is horrible. So Steve actually died in 2005. He died from depression and alcoholism. He didn't drink before this. Um, He took up alcohol to cope with it and it killed him. He never recovered from um, Shanda dying. So Jackie, Shanda's mom, took the stand. She wanted to show the courtroom and the juror photos of Shanda when she was a little girl. And, you know, a lot of times that's a, that's a tactic to get the juror um, really involved and invested in the story. And at one point, Hope looked down. She didn't want to see it. Um, and Jackie stopped and she, was, she said, she asked the judge, she was like, can you force Hope to watch this? And he demanded that she watch the whole thing and not take her eyes off of it at one point. So Hope had to watch it. Um, all four of them were tried as adults. Lori, Lori and Melinda had the death penalty on the table for them. And since Tony and Hope had cooperated with the police, they took plea deals. Tony was sentenced to criminal confinement because even though she didn't physically harm Shanda, she didn't help either, right? Mm-mm. Guilty by association. So she got 20 years in prison and Hope got 50 years. And the judge said, Hope, Rippy. You had choices. There were avenues of escape, ways to help yourself and ways to help Shanda. She poured the gasoline so no one would get caught, even though she knew it would kill Shanda. Her lack of mercy of tender courage is a horrifying lesson to all of us. 
So like I said, she got 50, Hope, but then she appealed. She got it narrowed down to 35 years. She's the one that told them the place to go. I know. Yeah. So in 2000, Tony was released after only nine years. Okay. So out of 20, she only did nine. Okay. Wait, how old is she then? 15, nine. She's 21? Mm-hmm. Wait, no, that's not 21. I can't do that math. So after only nine years, and Hope was released five years later. Wait, wait, wait. Five years after the nine. Five years after the nine. Okay. So she did 14, 14. years and Tony did nine. So, um, <laughs> yeah, after 14 years. So Lori and Melinda pled guilty to avoid the death penalty and both got 60 years, which was the maximum. So get this. Lori Tackett was released in 2018 after only serving 26 years in prison. Do not say for good behavior. And Melinda was also released after 27 years. In the summer, uh, September 2019. So Melinda, oh, you said good behavior. So Melinda was actually really good in prison. She worked with this group called ICANN, which stands for the Indiana Canine Assistant Network. So they basically have prisoners like train the dogs to become like comfort and support animals for victims of either child abuse or disabled children. See, I thought she was still doing that. I never knew she got released. So Melinda was known to be like one of the best amongst the prisoners like that did this. And she was the one that would take care of the dogs that were like kind of hard to handle that would like bark, disobedient, all that shit. So one of the breeders of the dogs that Melinda was training was in communication with Jackie. They were friends. And Shanda's mom, uh, Shanda's mom, um, she told her that she was like, I don't know if this would make you feel better, but I want to give you an update on Melinda. And she was like, sure. Like, I want to know. She's like, she's doing better. Um, and she was like, I actually took a video of Melinda training the dogs. Do you want to see it? And she was like, yes, you know, I do. So after seeing the video, Jackie turned to her and said, you know, I was really taken back. I saw someone reborn almost. She was sincere. She was compassionate. I think the ICAM program allows her to have something in her life that she can show love back to. And there was never any betrayal on either side. Because at this point, she knew about uh, Melinda's upbringing, um, you know, with the horrible family situation. So, like, Jackie's a fucking incredible human being. You're seeing the girl that horribly killed your daughter and you are saying, you know, she looks sincere. She's And you're happy for her. Yeah, you're happy for her. So in 2012, and I'm going to, this is what I'm going to leave us with. So in 2012, Jackie actually donated a puppy to the program and named it Angel. And she requested that Melinda be the one to train the dog in Shanda's memory. So Melinda got word of it. And she was like, I could not believe that I was getting a puppy donated by Shanda's mom. Like she was like, I'm not going to believe it. Like until I see it, the puppy arrived. She's like, oh, wow. So she said, talking about Jackie, she helped me to heal, forgive and grow. Whether she wanted that or not, she did a good thing. And I would thank her. I could not thank her enough. Angel is in good hands and I'm doing it for Shanda. I'm doing it for her. Okay. I don't know how I feel about that part. I Um, mean, like, I guess... You do have to, I don't know. I think regardless of like how we feel about it, um, it's close. Like the one person that needed some closure. Got it. Got it. Jackie's mom got it. So I think that's why I wanted to include, because I was just going to leave it out. Like I was like, I no. want these girls to end on like a bad fucking note. I want, you know, everybody listening to this. Uh, don't to, like, put your computer away. I need to see pictures. Oh yeah. I will. I'm, I'll pull it up on my phone. But um, no, I, I put that in there just to show like, you know, she forgave. She didn't forget, but she, you know, in order for her to continue to, I mean, they not only took Shanda away from her, they took her, um, I mean, her 
ex-husband, yeah. but still, I mean, that's somebody that she was once in love with and had a good relationship with. It was more than just they Shanda. Just kill her, though. They they humiliated her. They tortured her. They lied to her. They any negative feeling you could have, like they scared her. Everything. I know it's horrible. That's, oh my god. I'm gonna um, upload. And, you know, I've been wanting to do this case since I know. the very, the very and, beginning. I was like, please do not start with that case. And I wanted to, like, the reason why it took me so long is because I really wanted to, like, help develop. Like, I wanted to make sure, like, I had a clear path of, like, how I liked my style to be. I didn't want my first one because we all saw the Catherine Knight fell. <laughs> so, can you, like, this story deserved a good setup. Yeah. Because these women are still out and about. And I, I didn't include this, I but Amanda, Amanda... Um, she actually was arrested later in life. Not anything to do with, like, murder or anything. Um, I think it was, like, robbery or something, but she's actually in prison now as well. Um, and if you want to, if you're really invested in the story, you can actually... They were Hope Rippy in them. I think it was Hope Rippy and I think Tony Lawrence. I'm not sure of the other ones, but they were on the Dr. Phil show. So you can As see, adults? As adults, after prison. Are um, they still friends? I don't... I don't. I didn't watch it. I I I think I'm gonna watch it now, like to kind of follow up with it. But it was something that kept popping up of like an interview of him, like asking like, "What the fuck is going through your mind?" Like people are obviously you know outraged. All these women are out and about. Yet we have people that are serving life terms for being that having marijuana on them. So I just don't get it. But um, yeah, fucking. I'm going to upload all the photos. I, I'm i going to get your advice after this because I do have autopsy photos. I don't know if I'm going to upload those. I might just let the viewers kind of Google that on their own. Um, but yeah, please go to our, web, or our website. Please go to our... Don't go to the website, baby. <laughs> go to our Instagram at Misery Manor Podcast. Um, and I'm going to upload all of the photos to this. And I know this is a long one. So um, thank you if you listen to the whole thing. I hope you do. Um, but yeah, take care. Till next time. We need to watch something. I know. Else. Next time we might take... I'm going to do like a um, spooky one next. Because, listen, we need to get off the poor damn children, honey. I know. We've been doing children left and right. You can't seem to just pick one case that has involved one people. You want to loop it 12. I know. I know. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, thanks, guys. Till next week. Bye. Bye. How do you fucking... Did oh, it die? Oh, shit. No. Hang on, guys. <laughs> and that. Uh, Sorry, new equipment here. Boom. I had to do my face.